Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. From the over-the-top mobile studios at Yellow Belly Restaurant in Boulder, Colorado, it's Deep Fried Thoughts time with Michael Friedberg, special guest Alex Howes. Michael, you're going to have a fun one this time. All right, we're here with Alex Howes, and in the past few episodes of this show, we've uh, spoken about bikes and business, and so now we've got someone who uh, is in the throes of a pro cycling career. Um, we've got Alex Howes. How are you doing today, Alex? Uh, you're moving your hands a lot underneath the table, and it's kind of freaking me out. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm sitting next to it. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing fine. It's a beautiful sunny day in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, man, how long are you in town for this time? Almost a month. And so you just Amazing. got back, you just kind of got back from the classic season. Can you tell us a little bit about how that went? Um, it was a bit of a mixed bag. Personally, I was riding pretty well, but uh, for the team, it wasn't uh, quite what we had expected. Had a lot of crashes and misfortune, you know, general boohoo stuff. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into uh, bike racing kind of up until the professional ranks? Uh, my dad did it back in the day, and I just sort of fell into it and worked my way up. Got noticed by Mr. Jonathan Botters. Pulled me on his junior team, and I suppose the rest is sort of history. Did a quick stint in uh, France for a season with BC Le Pont Marseille, and got my head kicked in, and blah, blah, blah. So you kind of came up through the, um, what was it, 5280 back then with a lot of the, the Ian McGregor, Timmy Duggan kind of crowd, and then you did have uh, a period where you were kind of outside of that slipstream umbrella? Yeah, just season, but for the most part, it was all slipstream. So I gotta, I gotta give them some credit, I guess. So, what age were you um, when you started collecting a paycheck as a professional cyclist? Uh, I think my first real payout was the original Tour Utah on the Cat Threes or Cat Twos, and we won like eight hundred bucks a piece, me and Mr. Brady Kepius, and we got it all in ones. And it was the worst decision we ever made because it's so hard to spend $1 bills. Um, but you guys wanted to just live that rap video life. Oh, yeah. And, we had this, big, have, have we had this big pinwheel of cash. Um, yeah. But, like, you spend, like, 40 bucks on gas, a couple drinks at the gas station. Next thing you know, it's, like, 50 ones. Yeah. It's just singles. It's a real pain in the butt. But 
actual paycheck. Uh, I think it's 19. Yeah. When I was 19, I was the youngest pro continental rider in the world. And that was, uh, that was on a slipstream team? Yeah. And now you guys are considered world tour? Is that right? So world tour. <laughs> the world tour-ist. Yeah. And so in kind of the um, business of professional cycling, uh, you get on a team, and we were talking about this before we hit record, and so obviously as an athlete, like you have your own hopes and dreams, goals, races that are important to you, um, but you also are an employee of a team. So can you explain a little bit about how um, the schedule for each season gets created? Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of push and pull. Um, obviously, you have 30 riders, quite typically on a professional team, and um, everybody's sort of coming from their own direction. You know, on Slipstream, we have 16 different nationalities, uh, and you know, all different specialize people specialize in different things and uh, varying levels of talent and yada yada. Um, and on any given team, you'll have four or five different stars, and uh, it's not, it can't be easy to balance all that between, you know, who wants, you know, everybody wants, you know, to win the Tour de France, but only one guy's going to win the Tour de France. Everybody wants to be the leader of the Tour de France. Not everybody, I don't want to do that, but, um, you know, like on our team, we probably have four guys that would, wouldn't mind being the leader for the Tour. Yeah. And you have to, that means you have to tell three guys no. Yeah. You tell two guys no, and one guy you lie to and say yes, and the other guy you really mean it. Um, but, I mean, as a rider, you kind of got to think ahead and think about what the team is going to want, what the team is going to need, and what you're capable of doing and where you sort of, where you sort of fit in. Um, you have a lot of riders that leave teams because they, don't, they can't really find their, their, their niche within the team. Mm-hmm. And they kind of get bounced around and get the races they don't want. Um, and you said that a that a portion of that is seniority. Would you guys have like a Google a Google sign up <laughs> doc and well, like, the, the old the old guys go first? Or I mean, you're someone who likes to focus on yard end. So yeah, I mean, at this point, like I've I've shown myself as being a good one day racer, and I've been with team. This is my fifth year, so. I get to do the Ardennes. <laughs> yeah. It means it's sitting down at the team meeting in November. Um, we're not pulling teeth. Or I'm not pulling teeth trying to get them to yeah. let me do the Ardennes. And so in November, is that when you uh, have your full schedule for the, for the entire racing season built out? November, we usually lay out the first half. And it's pretty typical for most teams to lay out. Um, basically up until the tour um and the riders that are doing the tour there's usually a long list that's like 12 13 guys nine go uh you know two or three three or four don't um but nobody really knows what they're doing until after the tour when you when it comes to beyond july so for every world tour team uh the tour is a big focus right like there's really I mean that's the that's the biggest one. Yeah, that's that's the biggest one. But I mean, you can see now there's there's a push to try to build up the Giro. Um, the tour is owned by ASO, and they're they're uh, they've been a bit stubborn 
recently with trying teams trying to build stability into the sport and uh, the ASO sort of wants to keep teams separated mm. so that you know only the best teams get a get an entry there's no guarantees people have to continually fight they want to keep it you know fresh and they they, they don't really want to I mean right now the big the big fight is over extended racing licenses so like teams want you know 10 year guarantees or you know something like that so then you can build stability you can build a franchise you can attract better sponsors versus you know where we're at now where you sit down and you say um yeah we we have a really good team you know we have peter sagan you know we got him signed for three years and they're like yeah well are you doing the tour for sure and it's like well our world tour license expires in two years i'm like we're pretty sure we'll do it. You know, we got Peter, but yeah. we don't have that. There's, you know, there's no 100% guarantee. It's like a 95, and that's enough. 95% guarantee is not a great guarantee for somebody, you know, for a company that's, you know, talking about forking over $50 million. Yeah, definitely. But, and so um, what, do you, what do you know about the rest of your season? You said you got nationals coming up. Um, what else is on your calendar that's confirmed? Um, <laughs> right now, the two that are confirmed are Nationals and Dauphiné. And then uh, I would say it's 85, 90% chance I'll do the tour. Cool. Um, and then after that, uh, don't really know, but uh, Olympics selection is official on June 20th. So fingers crossed for that. I'm hoping that if I do the tour... Um, the legs always come good after a grand tour, so yeah, should have. In theory, if I go to the Olympics, I should have great legs. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So you're so you're planning at your plan right now is to to do the tour, go through the Dauphiné, and kind of build up for that. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about something like the Olympics, you just kind of go all in. It's like, yeah, I'll do the tour and then the Olympics. <laughs> Very cool. And so, kind of zooming back out into kind of this team structure. Um, what does the team provide for you? I mean, do you work with your own coach, or is that something that kind of goes through the um, the powers that be at Slipstream? Um, it's a little different with every team. Some teams you can only work within the the team's coaching structure. You know, they have like five coaches, and they all have a certain number of riders. Some teams there's like a coach. He shows up to training camp. You know makes everyone train really hard for two weeks and then like you don't see the guy for the rest of the year and everyone has their own thing. Slipstream, we have a head coach, that's kind of his job, kind of oversees stuff. Um, and then everybody else has their own coaches, but they have to be approved through the team. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that whole uh, doping history past is not that, that far behind us. Yeah. So they, kind of have to have some checks and balances to make sure people aren't talking to the wrong people. And so who do you work with? I work with Colby Pierce. And you guys have a pretty long-term yeah. coaching relationship? Yeah, yeah, I've worked with Colby since uh, since 2009, but I've known him for probably 18 years now. Very cool. And so then um, what about the sponsorship stuff? I know there's a number of those that are kind of turnkey operations through the uh, title sponsor, but are you able to have any of your own personal sponsors? Um, it's tricky because, so we have 
we have sponsors through the team. You know, we have our title sponsor, but then we have like you know, other you know, Cannondale is our title sponsor, and they, you know, there's a lot of within their company. They have a lot of you know, deals done through other companies. You know, like Vision and like FSA and um, you know, they're like they're homies with Physique, so like. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Physique saddles are on their bikes so we can't ride. So we're like, we're kind of like yeah. All right, there you go. You're riding physique. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but then we have other things like Pac and New Balance and yada yada, yeah. Castelli. Um, so once you start adding it all up, there's not a lot of bases that they haven't covered. Yeah. So if you're like trying to get outside deals, you know your your options are pretty limited, um, and you almost have to look outside of the sport, um, like yellow belly chicken I, mean, <laughs> I don't think we have any conflicts there seriously i'm gonna get you a pair of socks before you roll out of here today <laughs> well you know i have to wear these socks that have new balance on them oh, so i actually know nah. now it's these like really really dumb and i'm going on record saying this really dumb argyle socks you, you heard it here folks <laughs> um and so you know it's kind of it's kind of this interesting thing where you've got the uh you've got the team thing but you're still very much you know, an individual with individual goals and, and uh, you know, kind of constantly having to look out for yourself from, from year to year. So how much does kind of personal brand, you know, play into things? Like I know, you know, Ted King's done a great job of kind of, you know, utilizing social media and all of that. Do you, uh, do you find that personal brand kind of plays into team selection and being um, able to make it as a pro athlete? Yes and no. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, what what teams like really want is they want to win but the reason why they want to win is i guess at the end of the day what they want is exposure yeah and one of the probably the best way to do that is go out and win bike races yeah um the second best is twitter yeah like i can like <laughs> kill it on twitter but like if if iran goes out and wins a Giro, like for sure he's gonna have a couple more followers yeah um but that being said yeah you really you really do have to put yourself out there and um I mean, for personal reasons, but I mean, like I said, also for the team, like you have a bunch of dudes that, you know, live under a rock and just show up and head out at every race and win everything. And, but nobody knows who they are. Nobody, you know, you can't get a feel for them. Like it's just, it doesn't have the same effect. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, for those of you listening, you guys can't tell how good looking Alex is, but, um, aside from just, that's why you keep moving your hands on the table. <laughs> Absolutely. Aside from just dashing good looks, uh, I don't know what's, what's kind of the Alex house personal brand, uh, personal brand. I just, I, I feel like I've done a very good job at trying to make myself the atypical bike racer. 
Um, and when I say bike race, I mean professional cyclist. Um, I don't know. Like, first thing I did when I got back, we loaded up the truck and just like went out to Fruta. Yeah. And, like, got on the mountain bike and screwed around out there and just like nobody out there. And then we ran with some people and there's this dude and. He's like really good at guitar, and apparently he's a professional musician. You're like, man, that's kind of cool. And then we just all got wasted on tequila and had <laughs> campfire sing along. <laughs> that's not the that's not the typical bike racer. And uh, like, I like, down on I him. like didn't see Chris Froome out there anywhere. Really? Yeah. But you were looking. I was looking. I and what about? Uh, didn't you do kind of uh, off the beaten path Death Valley <laughs> camp this this uh, winter? Yeah, it was snowing a lot, and. So I was like, oh, we got to get out of here. And I thought, where is it never going to snow? Yeah. Where does it never rain? I was like, it never rains in Death Valley. So we went out there. And it was great during the day, but I didn't realize how god-awful cold it got. Because we were, like, up in the mountains a little bit. And we had these two, two seven-gallon water jugs. They froze solid multiple nights. Wow. Like, it was terrible. Wow. <laughs> it was a good time, but, I mean, just not when the sun went down. So that's kind of the atypical approach. It seems like you kind of take advantage of the freedom that being a professional athlete provides you. And Yeah, that's, that's the thing about cycling is, like, you have a lot of time when you're – we race, like, 100 days out of the season, tops, you know. But That strikes me as a lot. It is a lot, but I mean, I think last year I did like 84. It's funny, I mean, like a World Cup skier would, you know, maybe just be in the low, low double digits of. Yeah, well, you do like 21 of them in a row, and then. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. Adds up quick. A couple of week longs and a couple of one days, but I mean, that's. It still gives you like 200 days out of the year where, yeah, you gotta train, yeah, you gotta go to a couple camps, but for the most part, you're kinda free to roam. And so are you someone that usually trains by yourself, or do you have some training partners that... Well, I used to have a bunch of homies here in Boulder, but everybody left. Uh, Taylor's still kicking around. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm getting older now. I'm starting to do it all by myself. So what's, uh, what's the best part about being a professional cyclist? The best part. Um, I'd say one thing that's pretty cool is uh, my passport's pretty full. You know, you get to go to cool, some cool places. I've like been to Japan, been to Africa, been like Brazil, Uruguay, Mexico. It's like, I mean, I guess I've been to Europe too. <laughs> <laughs> are you still um, Are you still living in Girona for part of the season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's pretty easy living there. So what's the, what's the worst part about being a professional cyclist? Worst part, um, you spend a lot of time hungry. You spend a lot of time, like, alone, I suppose. You know, you get, to, you get to go a lot of places, but you get removed from a lot of places as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, crashing, crashing sucks. Yeah. Not so much do it crashing yourself, but it sucks watching your friends crash a lot. That's hard to watch. Yeah. Do you um do you form pretty tight knit bonds with the guy with your teammates from all the traveling, or is there an element of kind of being in competition with them as well? Um. It depends on the person. I mean, there's certainly people that you 
you just, I mean, you freaking take a bullet for. But then there's also some days you're just like, you know they're not going to be around for more than a year or two. Tops. You're just like, <laughs> you're just like man, who is this guy? Like, Fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the best advice you could give to sort of a recreational bike racer? What level? All levels? Yeah, a recreational level. Somebody's, I'll, uh, I'll say don't take it too serious. Yeah. I think most people have a, have a bad, bad habit of finding a hobby and then turning their hobby into their whole life. And next thing you know, they're like riding the rollers for three and a half hours in their basement in the middle of winter, you know, and they're just like recently divorced and just like what are you doing man like you had it so good and you screwed it up with bike racing <laughs> <laughs> like, like that that cat two upgrade is not worth it like it's just not worth it like so save, save your marriage and keep the cat three license yeah. is the best advice yeah like man go eat a pastry like do a couple sit-ups do a fun ride with your with your boys so has just, he- just be happy so has that always been your approach, or did you kind of have to, to bounce between the extremes? Did you ever have, like, a real type A? Oh, man, it's all the extremes. That's all pro sports is. It's just, like, you're either on or you're off. Yeah. Like, you'll never see a party as big as, like, the finish of the Tour de France or, like, you know, just after the Ironman finishes. Like, they just go off rails. We go off rails. You have to. Like, <laughs> like the, the then, balances from uh, the pendulum swinging between like, two extremes. So I, I spent all spring with my head in the sand, just like going full gas, intervals, 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 like train hard, ride long, don't eat, blah, blah, blah. And then you come back and you're like, well, shit, I'm throwing the mountain bike in the back of the truck and I'm going to Fruta. I'm going to get drunk in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just got to do it. So, I mean, what kind of volume, what are big weeks for, uh, for a world tour? athlete um i would say like 30 hours is probably the standard like big week wow that's like that's the number that gets tossed out but like the thing about that is that i think doesn't really resonate with a lot of people or soak in when, when a lot of people think 30 hours is anymore there's there's quite a bit of intensity there you know we'll do like a bit of, you know, we'll do some stuff that's just long, like in December, but I mean, even in January, you do like a 30 hour week and you have like a number of intervals in there. You're doing like 10 minute stuff, 20 minute stuff, five minute stuff, one minute hitters. You're doing, you're just like, I don't know. When you really sit down and look at it, like on Training Peaks or, you know, some other software, SRM, or just like, Man, I'm gonna have a heart attack any second. <laughs> like, this is nuts. Yeah. And so, I mean, do you still find a lot of enjoyment in going out and riding your bike, or has it become a job through this process? I love riding my bike. I love going out, doing adventures, like getting out there, seeing stuff. Um, I mean, it's like my number one form of transportation. And I was gonna say, I'm looking at your bike right now. You uh, you rode over here. It's just what I do, but at the same time, like when it comes to training, training's a job. Yeah. Riding your bike is not training. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and you, you, you probably different. have to draw that hard line in the sand to, yeah. to do it at the level that you're doing it at. 
Uh-huh. Well, um, thanks a lot for coming on the show. And uh, where can our listeners find out a little bit more about you? Kind of keep tabs on uh, on what you've got going on, maybe through social media or website. Oh yeah, social media. Back to that. Um, Alex underscore Howes, H O W E S. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks a lot, and uh, good luck with the rest of your season. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.